Before we get started with today's episode, I want to let our listeners know that we had some technical difficulties while recording it. Due to a miscommunication on our end, our special guests did not end up recording their audio. However, Emily's recording did pick up their voices through her laptop. So if you have any trouble hearing them, if they sound quiet or grainy or whatever, that's just the reason. Um, Just a bad pickup. Um, But, you know, overall, still a great episode. A lot of great content. Had a really fantastic conversation with both Michaela and Arthur. Um, So just tune in and, and bear with us. You were doing pretty well, finally. You I'm were doing well now. Up and... I'm doing well now. I'm doing better now than I was then. I had just gotten done with my 1.30 vinyasa flow, and so I kind of got out, and it was like, whoa, I need to make a documentary. But I do think I'm like 1% Native American, so I wanted to know about like Buddhism and whatever you know about spirituality. Um, I just personally don't find shame to be a very useful emotion. I didn't do anything. So I kind of blocked that one out. Um, um, ah, pure enlightenment. Welcome to Only Real Fans. I'm your host, Brian Riley, and for today's episode, I'm accompanied with a special guest host, Emily Ann Zisco, along with a couple special guests, Michaela Whitman and Arthur De La Roche, the stars and creators of the lovely indie mockumentary film, Clairvoyant. Um... I'm not going to spoil it for you, but you should go watch it yourself. And you can. It's on Prime Video. It's on Vudu. It's on Google Play. It's on YouTube. It's on Apple TV. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. What are you doing? Well, you should listen to the episode, but after this, you should hop off and uh, go tune in to watch the movie. It's freaking incredible. It is hilarious. It's heartwarming. It's insightful. It's enlightening. It's one hell of a trip. So let's hear what they have to say about it. Welcome, Michaela and Arthur, to our podcast. Very happy to have you guys on here and very excited to talk about your new film, Clairvoyant. Watched it a couple nights ago and I loved it. So I'm really excited to talk to you guys about it. Thank you so much. Yeah, we're happy to be here. Yeah, thanks so much for coming, guys. Um, So for everyone who doesn't know Clairvoyant, maybe they came out in 2021. It's um, a film about Claire, who is like a spiritual influencer type, basically on the road to enlightenment. And she goes through all of these different adventures to try and connect with oneness and um, shed her ego, but it doesn't really go as planned. And it's a mockumentary by Michaela and Arthur. And um, you guys were the only two shooting, editing, producing, making everything, right? Yeah, yeah, we were. We we had just been we've been trying to get a bunch of other films off the ground, but then we very quickly realized that you need a lot of money to make movies. So we were just like, let's just you know screw it. We're here to you know to act and to write, and we can do all those things on our own anyway. So yeah, we just nice. How'd you how'd you guys meet and get together to do this? Uh, we we had known each other for years because we're dating. So <laughs> oh, I didn't realize. That. <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of perfect. So I mean, we're not only a creative partner, but we're also real life partners. Which um, I wasn't seeking out in a partner. I was not looking for a filmmaker boyfriend, but it just so happened that yeah, the simplest together. response would be Tinder. I thought you were just gonna say Tinder, <laughs> yeah. Tinder, you know, and it worked out. So. Oh, hey, that's awesome. Good for you guys. 
That's so funny. How long did it take you guys from like the, uh, did you write it together too? Did we write it at all? Yeah, no, we, we wrote it together. Um, we definitely wrote it together. Yeah, what would you say? I mean, of course we wrote it together, but sorry, I'm just thinking like it wasn't a real script. Like uh, we just, you know, it wasn't in final draft or anything. We just kind of got out like notepad and would just draw down ideas together and then we would go and improv it with the actors. So, but the, the basic ideas of each scene we wrote together. Yeah, like we sort of, we came out of seeing this one movie that was really not supposed to be funny, but it was accidentally really funny. Uh, this documentary, which I will not name. Um, and uh, then you started doing like an, amalgam- an, an amalgamation of an impression of like all the vibes, everything from that. And the impression was just Claire. It was like fully formed character. She just did it at like 11 p.m. after coming out of this movie, you know? And I'd never really seen you do anything like that either. Um, and then we just, I mean, then it just came, then we just started writing the themes down. And then it was just as simple as like looking at Michaela and being like, all right, in this scene, we're going to do this. And then the whole, and the actors were, I mean, I'm getting ahead of myself. Well, he, Arthur actually stopped me doing the impression uh, on the night out because he was like, wait, before you go any further, I'm going to rent a camera out tomorrow. And we're just like, don't, like, don't waste it. Don't waste it. Just <laughs> save it. We're going to do it tomorrow and we're going to film it. And that's what we did. <laughs> that's so awesome. I I feel like that's like, you saw like a strike of inspiration and like, it's so, it's so funny because, um, kind of seeing the humor in something that is supposed to that's like taking itself very seriously is like the best I don't know I I think it's the best way to kind of like play off something I'm hoping you'll tell me the documentary after we stop rolling <laughs> yeah I gotta know what it is <laughs> is it like is it similar like content to to clairvoyant yeah 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 I think um some of the best building blocks were definitely inspired by that that's not necessarily true. It's similar. I'd it's similar. They definitely, um, it was different. We were more limited. They had a bigger budget, so like it was different. But um, did you say you know which documentary? No, no, they wanted. Oh, no, I wanted, yeah, I want to know. I'm on the edge oh, of my seat. I need to know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I like the story itself is so. Um, you know, we start with this kind of shallow, this shallow woman who's like very confused and. Um, it kind of goes into such like a, I don't know, tender place. And I was wondering if like, it seemed like almost like something based off real life. Does any of it kind of draw parallels from your life? Oh yeah. That's a great question. Definitely. Uh, Not only do the comedic parts uh, come from real life inspiration, which is again, tricky to talk about because it's like, yeah, we were kind of making fun of some situations that we were going through. Um, the emotional part, um, if you're talking about what happened around the third act, that was actually inspired by my cat dying, which is why there was that little, it was um, dedicated to yeah. the end, um, because we were wondering what we were going to do for the third act, and then I was dealing with all this existential trauma of knowing that my cat was about to die, and it just kind of ended up being the perfect thing to put into clairvoyance. So not only was the emotional stuff being drawn from real life, but the I guess more of the mockumentary comedic aspects were also being drawn from um, like the acting class that I was in at the time. Um, but it, it wasn't like I was only making fun of this because I was also like, my, my teacher was presenting me with these really heavy duty um, ideas and I just didn't know how to deal with it. And I was like trying to figure out the meaning of life and 
I, I was Claire, and I was just like coming home at home every night talking to Arthur, like, oh my god, nothing exists. Like, what is the meaning of life? And it was just totally making me spiral. Um, so yeah, I was trying to figure out all that stuff, and then I was like, I can also just like relax and make fun of it a little bit too, because it is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I feel like um, Michaela. Me too, but like Michaela was always just waiting for an excuse. Like I also think that's the thing is that like we when we say the examples, they sound so limited compared to how it felt when we were doing it. And I just feel like maybe just Michaela's creativity, mine too a little bit, was just waiting for any input to put through that wood chipper and come out. And like, I mean, it wouldn't take. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. You know, it was uh, it was the perfect stimuli, though. I have to say. Like his class was that, was, that shit was good. Yeah. That was really crazy stuff. Um, so yeah, you know, I don't know. Yeah, well, sometimes you gotta just add a little comedy and laugh stuff off to get through like hard things or rough things. And why not make a movie yeah. about it? Exactly. Are you guys, um, uh, where do you guys live? Emily, are you in Los Angeles? Yeah, I'm in LA and Brian. Yeah. And I and I just moved to Massachusetts. I was in Connecticut, but I moved last week. Oh, okay. Got it. I just wanted to have an idea of like if you knew the type of environment in Los Angeles and how it is here, but I remember you saying something about the coast. Yeah. Um it's so interesting like I I'm originally from the East Coast. So I moved out here a few years ago, and it's very interesting to me to like watch this it was it was so funny and and I thought so insightful to the ways that you know California especially LA kind of comes at this culture of like holistic oneness healing you know zen and um as I just did convoluting all those terms meshing them all together like making them seem like one and to me it's really interesting too because like when I was watching this movie, I felt like there was kind of this meta commentary about how, um, like people who are a little more like broken, like people who are dealing with anxiety or depression or, or just like going through it are more apt to like seek out, um, seek out like spirituality in this way. But like in doing so, it's just kind of a validation of the ego. I don't know. There was like, there was something really interesting going on with your movie. I felt like, um, I'd love for you to speak to that a little bit. That's such a, that's such a great point you're bringing up. Arthur, I'm going to let you take it away. Cause it seems like, it seems like you were thinking of things. I was just thinking that was exactly it. Yeah. That was exactly it. Right. <laughs> that's one. Wow. Like, that's probably Nailed like it. what we were patting ourselves on the back and talking about after getting a shot. Like, fuck yeah, dude, we did. It's so exactly what you said. So, you know, and it's so funny, like Brian and I were talking yesterday about like what we wanted to talk about. And I was like, you know, Brian, like when she's seeking out bliss and she's like following the creek, like it's such a dual moment because like, you know, like, like, you know, oneness is like, you know, or like um, salvation is at the top of the mountain, like bl bliss is at the beginning of the creek. But at the same time, like. What does that actually mean? It means like the journey is is the the moment itself, and and but then also Claire looking for this woman bliss who um who is you know completely scamming her, 
is like buying into the like the noise around that and like the 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 culture around that and trying to kind of like prove something that's a that is like the 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 true finish line where like that doesn't exist that's not the point I don't know I I the movie got me like I like I got the movie the movie got me I just thought it was great I thought it was really funny and really insightful um yeah yeah Thank you, thank you so much. No, it's it's really great to hear that you do understand what we were putting down. Because sometimes when we were in the middle of making it, we weren't even sure like what we were doing or what the message was going to be or what the symbolism was or the thematics or anything. But it ended up definitely coming through. And that's something I realized um, while I was going through my real life spiritual journey is that it was very much about like achieving an end goal while also saying that there was no end goal, like, I don't know, it just confused me so much. And I think that's really why we came to the conclusion that we did in the movie, which is that, like, Claire said that she didn't learn anything, but by saying that she didn't learn anything, she actually learned more than she had had throughout the rest of the film, because she finally was able to step aside and not have such a giant ego for the first time. And that was, you know, it only happened because she was willing to go on that journey and, and that, you know. Yeah. yeah, and like her little her little profundities were kind of couched in all of this humor and couched in all of these kind of moments of ego and and like um you know presentation, which especially like when we when we meet Claire's mom, I thought was like truly striking. Like the fact that like you know you see Claire when Claire's like kind of performing for Earl and being like, Oh my God, like, okay, let me do it again. Let me do it again. And then like her mom is doing the same thing. So you kind of realize like where that came from and like how like that might be rooted in like some of her issues. I was like, Oh, Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I was having such a blast editing um, the mom scenes because that was just, um, that was, Amy, who's a wonderful actor from our class, and she always reminded me of my mom, so like, they just, like, look similar, so I couldn't wait to cast her as my mom in something, and then um, she just sat down with us, and I was like, this is, we both knew that there was just so much more than we were even, um, than we were even expecting, like, she brought something so fun to the table, and she was doing, she was improv and she was saying stuff that we hadn't even wanted her to say, but it fit with the rest of the movie so well in the beginning where she's like opening the door and stuff I was just editing I was like oh my god this is so great where did this come from like I don't know yeah no you're definitely right (laughs) (laughs) no once again like it was just there were so many because Amy was one of the moments where like I guess every scene but Amy was one of those moments where it was just like okay whenever things would go wrong on the movie and this is very clairvoyant fucking thing to say but like I would just be like it's gonna work itself out and I was kind of, that's why I kind of described the movie. It's just like, anytime anybody asks how it was making it, I just kind of say, oh, well, we just turned on the camera and like fell down the stairs and had a movie by the time we reached the bottom. And like, that's how it just really did work itself out. Amy was perfect. And everything she said was thematically perfect. And I didn't tell her what to say. And like every now and then I'd nudge. Like, they're, like the most I would say was what I could say in between, like while filming without ruining the flow. And you know, all that stuff about apartheid, all that stuff, like, everything that she brought up was so... Dude, Pedro was another one. Like, Pedro was another one where he just... 
I, I went into the Pedro scene and I did not inform him of, him of this because I didn't want him to be, um, you know, feel constrained. So I didn't tell him that I wanted to go into the Native American scene with basically the character. I wanted him to subvert expectations by being the most normal and well, um, well-informed person, but all, like in a very real way about spirituality, about Eastern philosophy and all that stuff. Because, you know, you don't expect a guy who works at the Native American Arts Center to be that way. Even, even like, the most, um, you know, sort of ideologically uh, profound person because would not expect that. And he just, the yeah, kind of and, and he, he definitely would, and he just, like, so I didn't say anything to Pedro, and then Pedro just comes out with everything good, everything I ever needed. Pedro was the one person, all of them, I didn't need to, I barely need to direct anybody. Everybody's yeah. amazing. No, but the mom stuff was crazy too because me and Amy, we would, I realized in the editing bay that we were like copying each other physically. Like uh, someone would itch their eye and the other person would itch their eye. I'm like, this looks like a real mom and daughter right now. Like, I don't know. It's kind of magical. <laughs> I was actually, I, before, I didn't check the credit list. I honestly thought that she might have been your actual mom after watching that scene. Um, but also, like, Pedro was one of, of few characters where I honestly thought there was like a small chance that he actually worked at like this Native American museum um, or a historical center. And you guys just showed up with a camera like, hey, we're making a documentary. Can we interview you rather than be an actor just because his performance was so like authentic and like yeah, there genuine. Was... And he seemed very confused and like frustrated at the same time with like the whole Native American Indian confusion. <laughs> There really was like such a, there was a couple moments for me too, where I was like, oh my God, like they just did this. Like she just showed up and like was an influencer. And I was like, wow, amazing. But like, <laughs> it was all staged though, right? Like no one like did, was it all staged? Yeah, it was, it was all staged. I, I wish I could say it wasn't. I wish I could say I was baldy enough to go in and like insult someone. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, that, I'm fine with it being all states because all the only negative reviews that we've been getting are people who are just convinced it's real and they're just pissed off, you know? Oh, and my it's, God. It's a good thing if you have a bunch of actors, you know? It's a great compliment in a way. That's know? funny. The, uh, the last filmmaker who we interviewed um, is this guy, Jake Fay, and he has this movie called um, The Process. It's about, like, the hip-hop scene in Lynn, Massachusetts, which is where he's from. And so many of the negative reviews on that movie all had to do with claiming he didn't know what it was like to be an underground artist or something like he was like making it up. And I was like, I don't know where they got this from, because I actually watched the movie and it's like very much so like realistic and like authentic. And same thing with and like people are saying to you that what you're doing is like real and, and, and offensive. And it's like, no, it's on the other side. Yours is stage and you're blatantly like um, poking fun at that type of person and not being you're not being offensive it's all stage you're not calling people out or anything like that it's just funny how like those types of negative reviews you can just tell they didn't watch it or if they did watch they watch like a scene and just want and just want to troll to troll yeah oh, thank you. Thanks. i didn't think about that that's true actually <laughs> no that doesn't go yeah. that but you're right you did all say that a lot of the negative reviews are like i couldn't stand this vlog i stopped watching after 10 minutes <laughs> yeah a lot of people call it a vlog <laughs> that's so funny it's it's so interesting too because like like i've never seen 
like a film like your film was kind of in three acts and it it was like very much mockumentary style and then it kind of had more tender undertones and a redemption arc for Claire right and um like I had never actually seen a mockumentary really do that before like it usually stays pretty consistent throughout arc wise in terms of like character development and growth and like there was I thought it was almost like almost an experimental choice to like have Claire at the end after she had done the what drugs did she do by the way yeah LSD like okay yeah I was thinking like yeah you don't see it had it we got like a you can get it on Amazon cool Acid. Bezos steals drugs. Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> no wonder he went to space. Like, no, man. Like, you can get these things that they use to make the um, the drugs on Amazon. These, like, I don't know, like paper gummy sort of like. Uh... It's just the paper. It's just paper. Really don't do drugs. I don't do drugs. I thought he just went to Staples and get some printer paper and went from I, there. I don't do drugs either, so yeah, I don't know anything about that, totally. <laughs> Personally, I'm on LSD as we speak, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, like, I don't know, did you guys, did you feel like when, you know, when Claire is kind of facing the camera towards the end and she is like, kind of saying like yeah like I didn't learn anything and like life is what you make of it and so is this like I felt like that was like I don't know like a very break the fourth kind of experimental thing to do is that was that what you were intending or was I just like really vibing with it like (laughs) both Uh, both okay yeah I mean I thought that was the only actually that's a good question what makes you feel like um no, no, the edit is what makes it feel like it's a fourth wall break a little bit. Because, like, you're in it, and then you're out. Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, yeah, it was... For me, it just kind of became the only way to end it. Which, in a satisfying way. Because, you know, like, we were actually talking about this just the other day. We were like, we could have spent longer sort of setting it up. and like, But that abruptness, there's nothing left to say. Like, dude, she watched the movie that you just watched. And she was like, yo, I suck. Yeah, no, you're right. It was breaking the fourth wall because that was uh, the point of it was that Claire was ultimately the one editing it and she had taken those six months to reflect and then that ending that you saw was what Claire wanted to do. So yeah, it was breaking the fourth wall, I guess. I mean, the whole thing was experimental, but the end is definitely, I see what you're saying. Yeah, and I like, I also thought too, I don't know if this was purposeful in your edit, but I noticed that your like editing style in terms of kind of every time she was being scammed by these different people, like all of them actually had something kind of relevant and important to say, like a little life nugget that like resonated, right? Like was that was that also kind of an intention? Yeah, I think you're right. I this mean, is so I cool that you picked up on all of it. Sorry. No, 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 no you're right. You're- kind of bigging up our writing a little bit because it was it was very subconsciously intentional like I think I think we knew what we're doing what we were doing I would like to think that we knew what we were doing um we weren't like charting it out or anything like that but I think we got the sense when we were looking at the scene back like oh Sarah said some good stuff here or Dilmar um I mean he's coming from a good place and it's kind of like I see the point of what he's saying so no you're right I think that it shows that there's that duality there like not everyone's just 
it's not like they were evil and Claire was good. And, you know, Claire was kind of evil, too, in some ways. So it was just kind of like everyone was figuring it out and everyone was doing the best that they could. Um, so, yeah, there were definitely some nuggets of truth in in a lot of the interviewers. Maybe not Bliss. I don't know. She was in a one-track mind. Yeah. <laughs> Bliss, Bliss opened it up to... Bliss started a thought in Claire's head, I think, with the whole, like, annihilation talk and, like, the whole, like, you don't exist type stuff. And the... I think that was useful. Because first person to go there and it clearly had an effect on Claire. And I just want... At the risk of sounding um, uh, uptight, um, I definitely charted out. At the risk of sounding egotistical. As I didn't want to... Because I didn't want to... Something that I was making sure... Because half of the... It wasn't hard. But half of it was like not making it because you know creativity or um, there's like the flow. There's like a wave of sort of excitement with actors or with writing or with anything, and uh, especially on Clairvoyant, like you could not stop it. Like as soon as you would get in a room with somebody, they would light up, and then like I had to, I could only shepherd. I could not lead these guys like they had I could only like bark at them to go in, you know, to the left and the right because they were just going off and so like I had a lot of thematic charting that also got improved by the film like I, it's not like I knew from the start but at the start I was like I hope that we can do this and then the film would do something like they would do something so much better yeah. you know like, that's the thing too is when you leave it to the actors to improv they bring a lot of their own real life experience and because we were all in a very, I guess, spiritual environment, everyone was bringing their own beliefs a little bit, um, you know, so that ended up being really useful and really nice to see. Yeah, so yeah, did for you sure. guys... Oh, um, sorry, Brian, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, I was going to ask, um, so when you were casting for this, uh, I know you said that uh, Amy was from your acting class. Uh, were a lot of these people from that, or did you actively seek out, like, improv background like actors to go along with like your your general like vibe um they were they were all from that acting class oh uh, okay Everyone. yeah so it was actually kind of that's a good question because that's why the movie is the way it is we just sent out an email or we like hey guys who wants to be in a movie and then whoever said yes i would just write a role around that person so it was oh, awesome. based off of them. Yeah. and you know to give credit to the acting class as well like he definitely primed everybody to be, uh, to, to have these thoughts as well. Like, you know, cause the acting teacher is super cool, um, in a way, uh, he's great. you can, he's you great. can plug him if like, you want, sorry, you can plug him if you want, let the people know, help his business. I'm a little scared cause we do. <laughs> it's like kind of satire in his class. Like kind of, I'll think about it. Maybe I'll, oh, all, right. I all good. All good. <laughs> Wow, did he come at it from a way of like acting is in a sense like spiritual, is a sense of presence almost like a, a, a nowness, like bringing that nowness to it? I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. That That's his, that's his main thing. It's the just, nowness part. Yeah, just um, mm. his, his main technique is just like getting people out of their heads and letting them just be 
with their scene partner to the point where sometimes you're just like making eye contact with someone. You're like, you're acting, you're good. That's all you need to do. Connect with the other person. Like, so yeah, that was uh, it was heavily rooted in that particular back thing, or at least everyone came from that class. So yeah, yeah no, they were they were amazing. Like I, we were so lucky. I can't believe I can't believe that um, that everyone was as good as they were. Like I just kind of let everyone know that the goal was to be as natural as possible. And if, if possible, to make it feel like a real documentary, like I wanted it to definitely be able to trick some people. Um, and everyone brought it. Like everyone did exactly what we asked for. So. I also think That's one person true. was on LSD during a scene. Who? Which, no. No? <laughs> I was yeah. going to say who. Can you say who? No. Okay. Get her arrested. No. Get her arrested. <laughs> oh, no, no. I remember. No, no, no. I, yeah, you remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, um, they were great. Man, sorry, Brian, I cut you off. Oh, no, all good. I was just going to say, like, honestly, like that style, like that nowness acting and like um, needing to be just yourself is honestly like the perfect way to do a performance, especially for like a mockumentary. It's like, I don't know if you've watched mockumentaries like movies like, um, you know, like Best in Show or like Spinal Tap and all that stuff. All those are everyone who's in that movie and even the creator. They're all just like improv like comedic guys. and um, and girls who just on a whim they'll pull out a car that like no one was expecting like fred willard and best in show and he's one of the judges for the dog show he's a commentator he had zero lines written for him he just riffed the whole time and like you know you guys have the same thing you just had like the beat blocks out you know like what you wanted to happen nothing like that really fleshed out or like well written but you knew what you wanted to do and that's just like i think that's the perfect way to make a mockumentary I will actually say, just for, uh, you know, if, any, if anybody who's, like, looking at us, and they're like, well, if those idiots can do it, then I can. If there's anybody doing that, then I will say this. A lot of the first act, second act, second, third turn, a lot of the movie, we started to build around the footage that we had. So, like, we didn't, like, I, a lot of it was, like, we had no clue what was going to happen. And then Claire just took the movie where she wanted and so, like, being really open, because there's a creation energy. If we're going to get super-duper clairvoyant about it, then, like, there's some genuine, non-human, bigger-than-us stuff going on when we make movies. And if you open yourself up to it, because I've done, right before this, I made a movie where it's very stringent. And it, it, it I, was not as fun. It didn't work the same way. And it certainly wasn't as profound. So, like, I, I when I talk this way, I sound like, clairvoyant like unironically but like you know like yeah yeah Yeah, you guys had a spiritual awakening yourselves and just living in the moment you're enlightened yeah and honestly like it's so funny too because like the reason why like okay i'm gonna get very clairvoyant about this whole thing too michaela the reason why i reached out to you was because like I got an ad on my Instagram for your film. So then I watched the trailer and I was like, okay, that, that was really cool. And it reminded me of a film that my boyfriend had made with Dylan, who is the other half of Dylan and Brian. And um, like, so then that afternoon, like an hour after I followed you, you posted on your stories that you were looking for like someone to review Clairvoyant. And I was like, Oh my god! Like I was like, oh, I'll do that. <laughs> yeah, that's so perfect. No, you were. I think you were actually the first person that reached out to me about that too. So 
you were just like ready to that was all set up ready to go so yeah no that's so cool i definitely believe in serendipitous things happening me too i think it's so funny like and i think like that idea about like creative flow kind of directing a project i think that that really just opens you up to so many kind of just interesting avenues that you might have overlooked if you had been so like tightly held to like you know the the way it, the story the 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 technical aspects you know what i mean like i i like that kind of more free thinking vibe yeah that's that's exactly what we say about clairvoyant like this might sound weird but i started calling it this is so creepy but i started calling it she like i was like she'll do what she wants to do like let it, <laughs> even in terms of promoting it um after it was done we've kind of been stressing because we're like we need to get the word out more we need to do more advertisements like we need to i don't know whatever trying to get all that work done and um it's really important for this movie in particular when we relax like it ends up going where it needs to go so i just call it she now because i'm like you clearly like clearly knows what it wants to do and we don't have to do that much so yeah i don't know it's very interesting (laughs) that's awesome i love that And I, I did not want to do it. I was like, Arthur, we're making this movie, but you are going to be editing it, right? You're going to be editing it. And I kept asking him that like, every day. I was like, who the hell is going to go through these like hours and hours and hours and days of footage? Um, and he has a day job that's much more time consuming than mine. So I knew where it was going. I was like, it's going to be me that ends up editing it. I don't know why I was even fighting it. Um, but I had never done it before. And then I thought it would be really difficult, but I sat down with the footage and it just like, it started, it started like editing itself. Like that sounds really spiritual and really cheesy, but, um, I don't know. I would just like watch through the footage once and then I would just remember, like, I don't know. It was just, it was, it was so much faster than I thought it was going to be. It's basically what I'm saying. Like it wasn't very tedious or anything. Like I just watched through and I was like, this goes here, this goes here, this goes here. It was super easy. Well, you did a great job. And, and editing, editing is one of those things where it's like, it's very daunting at first, even if you're just making a trailer, but like the second you put like two clips together, like, Oh, these flow pretty well. It just, it just takes off. Like your mind starts kind of running and you're like, Oh, this goes here. This should go here. We'll throw this clip in that angle's great. Blah, blah, blah. It's like a really, it's kind of like a runner's high, but for editing. Yeah. No, it's, it's interesting you say that because it definitely is like a bit of a high. I didn't know what like a very long work day was until editing. I've never acted in the way that I edit. Like it almost put me in the zone more. Just like 13 hour days would fly by because you just start seeing how it comes together. And it's so fun. I've right. never seen that like you though. And I've worked with people who have like, can't give too many once again don't want to put anybody on blast uh but worked with people who are really high up there you know and who have been in the industry forever um and who have been awarded prestigiously non i've never seen anybody at it like her like it was crazy you know and like because michaela's has been you know she's been like oh i'm just an actor just an actor and then like clairvoyant showed up and michaela just did everything good that needed to happen and the editing was insane like I think I only edited I only edited the bliss scene right and the and the and the shining like transition that was the only thing I like felt in my bones where I knew what to do I didn't know what to do on anything else 
I will say Arthur edited the trailer. I did a trash trailer. My trailer was I'm good at trailers. But then he (laughs) really yeah, I'm good at trailers, but you know, I'm I'm gonna defer to you on movies from now on because holy shit, dude. Yeah. Do you think that like this has changed kind of what you thought your career would look like? Like, do you think you'll like get more into writing and directing and editing now and producing? Yeah, one hundred million percent. I think um, I think it's it's completely changed everything. Like. I, I mean, I, I, it's just completely changed everything. Like, it's changed the course of our entire lives. Like, yeah. I never, I never thought that I would be able to do all this stuff. I always wanted to write before, um, and I, I always had like a desire to, but I just didn't think I was good at it. Um, and it's really nice to know now that no matter what happens with like auditions and getting cast and stuff, like if if I'm ever bored, if we're ever bored, we can always just make something ourselves and that is just so liberating and I think because of that getting cast and booking and all that stuff is going to be easier too because then you're not so dependent on it and you can just really like you're autonomous over your life so it's changed everything wow that's incredible and like do you um I was going to ask you know did you guys make this over quarantine like did you make this during the pandemic we made most of it before the pandemic and then the pandemic hit and um we had to finish up a couple scenes. The river scene that we did, that was just us two. So we did that um, in lieu of a different scene that was going to be a big cult scene with our acting teacher and with everyone from class. We would have jumped the shark. Like, we would have jumped the shark. You yeah. know? Like, it would have been terrible. Like, it's another one of those serendipitous things where, like, I get, or not serendipitous, we used it to our advantage, but it was good that everybody couldn't make it. It was good that for 12 minutes, she's bumming around the bottom of a ditch. Because, like, that's way more on brand, and it's way better, and it's way more of her experience. It's really, you know, that loneliness and that, like, idiocy, that, like, you know, lostness. It's all way better. Yeah, it probably would have. I mean, that that part of the movie is where a lot of people stop watching, because I think it feels, it can feel a little bit long. Um, that's where a lot of, or at least that's what I've noticed in the yeah. movies. People are like, I stopped watching at the creek scene, which like, I totally understand, but it's better than the alternative, which is going to be like a giant cult scene where they murder a cat and all this stuff. Ooh. And it probably, it wouldn't have been right. Like, it it would have been right. It was a cool yeah. idea. I, I think it was one of those ideas where like the scene itself was so cool, but it would have ruined the film, you know? And the other thing about the creek scene is you, we almost had it shorter. And then I was, I just couldn't. It had to be longer. You had to be stuck with her. It had to be like moving to LA and doing a one-on-one hangout with one of those people. And you're just like, what the fuck was I thinking? Saying yes to this hike. It had to be like that kind of feeling, you know? Mm -hmm. That's me. Yeah, it was definitely necessary for the film. So it was a good call and a good course of events to lead to that. I loved, I mean, I thought the creek scene, like, I actually thought it was like, I know it was one of the longer scenes and that's why it kind of stands out. But like, I really liked that scene because to me it was doing so many things like, like, you know, I, you, you have like the, the main story of her getting scammed and not wanting to believe that she's getting scammed. But then also she does actually find like a little creek. So like, 
who who knows maybe there is magic in the air maybe bliss is at the top of the creek but like what does that even mean bliss being at the top of the creek that means like that the journey is the thing her being in the woods is her doing the thing and her being in the woods following this creek is the story itself and then Brian pointed out to me that like you know you don't know whether or not she's saying to Earl Claire is saying to Earl like no I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> um, they can join. You don't know whether or not she's kind of saying to Earl, no, stay, you know, stay up, don't get hurt, like, stay where you are, because she actually wants to, like, run away and kind of avoid this confrontation, or because she is like, no, this is, like, something I have to do for me. I'm going to do it myself. I don't know. I, I thought it was a very multi-dimensional scene. Thanks. Yeah. You go, you, you go. go. No, 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 you go. Dude, I was well, literally the thing I'm gonna say is I'm so tired of hearing myself talk and I would much rather hear Evan <laughs> talk about the film. Like, <laughs> that's literally what I was saying because you know you're reminding me of like why watching it would make me cry, you know, like why when we were editing. Because like there's such a it's like what you said, that there's a tenderness. Everything you said is exactly what I hoped someone would get out of. It's just really nice. Thanks. (laughs) Thank you for making it. I definitely did cry. I feel like, honestly, I feel like it, it like, it just like watching this movie really reminded me of like just a lot of things about, you know, moving out here and, and kind of, kind of figuring out the scene and then, you know, trying to like, I don't know. We're like working through it. It really was like such a piece about working through things and obviously couched in like really funny moments and all this superficiality. And I just, um, that's kind of my approach to life. So I was like, <laughs> yeah, that's funny <laughs> and relatable. I thought you guys made a really interesting complex story. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was the, as Emily pointed out before, it's the, uh, the first, if not one of few mockumentary movies that at least I've watched that have such a dramatic um, and re- redeeming arc to it towards the end, you know, because I, when I was first watching it, um, like those those first scenes and like, you know, Claire's there, she's being like kind of ignorant about enlightenment and spirituality and trying to like figure out what a Native American is, who what's an Indian and like the difference between that. So I was thinking like, uh, as a, that sort of progressed, I think it was around the time we got to the creek scene. I was starting to think to myself, like, is Claire a sympathetic character? Is she supposed to relate? Uh, is she supposed to be like what a lot of people try to not be, like what they think they aren't? You know, like people, um, like pointing out the more blatant and obvious, like fake spiritual people, like what Claire was in the beginning. Um, but uh, I don't know where I'm going with this, but. Um, just kind of uh, like she, she, I think she embodies just at least one small aspect of like everybody in some sense, whether it's like the being lost and trying to find your path, being sad and trying to find happiness or um, thinking, you know, everything when you really don't, which at least at one point in everyone's life, we've all had that moment or at least have lived that way. No, I, I mean, that's why Clairvoyance is my favorite that I've ever made. And, you know, it was, um, 
movies have done so much for me to like at least give me a, a goal of what I'm trying to reach in terms of bed, like, I don't know, inner stability, who I want to become. And clairvoyant was the way for me to just impart all that. To like, I just kind of say that it's okay to be a mess of contradictions and that you're making a bunch of, it's okay to make a bunch of mistakes that like in an amount of time that is essentially the blink of an eye, you know, six months, you can completely change so long as you go out there. Like I think that's the thing is I spent so much time in stasis trying to protect myself from any negative experiences. Claire, you know, it's really admirable that she doesn't do that at all. Or she has protected herself. She's been in that bubble the whole time. And then she decides to find any subconscious reason, any excuse to go out there and change herself and be confronted with stimuli that's new you know, be like get opposition that she can't get naturally because she's too sheltered or whatever, you know. And um, one day I'll probably be able to explain it all when it's like when I'm not in the trees so much. But right now I'm just in the forest. I don't, I don't even know. Can't can't see the forest for the trees right now. But yeah, basically everything you're saying again. Yeah. You're you're following the creek is what you're saying, not yeah, the forest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think I go there like Emily said forever. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it is. It's so interesting to like. I I I just think it's great to like strike a tone that's able to poke fun at, kind of all these things that we see all the time here in LA, which is people who like don't really, um, like who kind of have such a front about being like holier than thou because like they go to Vinyasa Flow and drink smoothies and whatever, and like that is making them spiritual or something drinking smoothies yeah i don't know so it's, <laughs> it's so, so true like hold holy on, crap <laughs> I'm, oh, I, I'm uh, when i'm saying people i mean me um i'm currently drinking my kale and raspberry smoothie so excuse me and my um, mind's expanded <laughs> i'm seeing the stars in my kitchen yes <laughs> i think that consciousness is coming to a point where we're waking up um sorry uh what was the word i was looking for um oh, oh awareness is coming to a we're in a period of time where consciousness is waking up and where everyone con fuck i do think that there is something so resonant about the idea that like these ideals these pinnacles of spirituality and um presence and oneness and connectivity with energetic forces right like there is something so idealistic about it and something so um, something that I think everyone can really kind of like relate to in some sense. Like everybody has those moments in their life where they're like, oh, that was kind of like serendipitous or what a coincidence or, you know, um, what a what a moment of change for me. Um, and then but to also be able to be like, yeah, but like, don't take it too seriously. Like, don't think you're like. Don't think your third eye is open because like you found $10 on the street, you know, like you, like we are all down here, like we're all down here living this human experience together. I don't know. I, I think it's really interesting. Well, going off the $10 on the street thing, uh, the other day I was in a Marshalls and I found, I thought I found a hundred dollars, but the top right and the bottom left edges were ripped off. So that was a really bad spiritual experience. Are you the Buddha? Are you, are you Buddha? That's so cool. 
<laughs> wait, wait, wait. So hold on. Yeah, we're greedy. We're going to be greedy about this. No, no, it was a hundred dollar bill, but it was ripped on the edges, so I couldn't use it. And I was like, "Wow, this sucks. This is my luck." No, like, 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 if I went to a cashier and handed it to them, they'd be like, "Why is this aggressively taped?" <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> like, I feel like this is a, and I don't mean this in any negative way, but this sounds like an East Coast idea that like you can't use legal tender because it's not like. Whereas on the West Coast, like in LA, dude, you give that cash how it comes and people take it. Like, it, like well. I have seen the nastiest money out here, and like no one has ever said maybe I can't use this. Like I'm sure you could use that, dude. Well, if it's, if it's still under that uh that couch. Now that I think about it, they are uppity about like tender in the East Coast. You're right. They are only they're like the fresh bill coast. And like out here we're like, yeah, whatever, just uh, Yeah, I need some ones that's clean and a shirt with the team. <laughs> Wait, sorry, Brian, I, I cut you off. What are you saying? No, no, it's just um it's a Kanye line. I need some I think it's I need some tens that's clean and a shirt with the team. Gotta be fresh. See, now out here we're uh, we're musty. We're, we're fine with it. Yeah, Chris, Chris can clean money. It's like not even a thought in my head. I'm like, you guys have fresh bills out there. What are you talking about? I mean, if it was crumbled up, I would have taken it. But the fact that it was just like ripped and I would need like tape and staples, I, I felt like I I felt like I had to. Oh my god! Wait, I'm, so, I'm so greedy. In <laughs> what do you mean? No. You're like go, where you're like I'll go. There. But I also like, <laughs> but it's but it's also like, and no 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 not Lynn Wilmington is where I'm from. Um, but the other thing too, uh, it was a Marshalls. Just look for the only Marshalls in Wilmington. But the other thing though about it is I don't know. Apparently it's in L.A. As long as something looks like currency, you're good. But if you have a hundred dollar bill and you go to pay for it, they have to like they do like the line, like the, the highlighter to make sure it's valid. So that alone, too, I just feel like it would have been really because I don't have a bank like my my bank's all online. So I can't go to a bank. And be like, Hey, can I deposit this? I'd have to go to like that. Marshall's and be like, here's a hundred bucks. I'm going to pay for the ten dollar T-shirt. And then they'd have to verify. And I guess if they did the thing. The highlighter thing, whatever it would be legit, but I don't know. I didn't have tape on me. Yeah, just just take that hundred dollar bill and come out here because I have once gotten rupees as change. Back. What the hell? As change. It's in- Was it at the uh, Native American Historical Center? Sorry. Was it at the Native American Historical Center? No, no, no. I think it was the gas station, <laughs> and 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 he was fine with it, and then I took it. And then I use them somewhere else. Nice. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what? I don't think we were supposed to, but I think if it's a human being, you know, then it's Oh okay. my God, that's wow. so funny. That is hilarious. That's incredible. A uh, rupee is worth however much someone thinks it's worth if they think that it's American coins. Oh, okay. Got it. <laughs> wow. I mean, I've gotten, I've gotten Canadian coins as change here, so anything goes, I guess. If it looks like a coin and it acts like a coin and it tastes like a coin, I guess it's a coin. Somebody in Clairvoyant would tell you it's all it's all made up anyway. So that, that's know. true. Yeah, it's all just so start value that we assign to it, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I'm going to Marshall's later. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because apparently, like all all you all 
Massachusetts folks will just leave a hundred dollar <laughs> bills. Like everybody will just be like, oh no, both both corners ripped. That's it. I feel like I feel like this kid was mad at his mom that he couldn't get like a board game or something that was there, and he just like ripped it. Like, How ripped, dude? I, I want to see a photo of this thing. Oh yeah, this is. If not I had one, I'd show though. you. But it kind of it is. is at this point. It's like, this about is the it's about Let's your big break. This was my big break, and it fell through. Next time. Next, Next time. time. I mean, I found like sixty bucks on the ground at a college campus, so and I kept that, so that was cool. You're good at that. More than like ten dollars on the ground, so that's very impressive. One time at a, at a bar, I found a hundred dollars on the ground, and I don't even know why I did this. I mean, I look back and I cringe. Oh I picked God. up the money and I looked at the lady who was sitting in the seat, and I said, "Is this your money?" And she looked at the hundred dollar bills, and she looked at me, and I heard the gears just like grinding in her head and then she just went yes <laughs> that is mine <laughs> and Absolutely. I gave it to her oh my I'm god so stupid uh, oh, moments like that man. you just you gotta wait for someone to go up to you and be like excuse me did you find a hundred dollars on the ground and if nobody does it's yours yeah. yeah but then you're not ready for LA people we'll be like <laughs> yeah man that's mine. Yeah. Exactly. That's why you just wait it out. That's why you just take the hundred dollar bills to the Marshalls and you leave. You ask leave. no questions. Maybe you get no a check. Answers. Just go. Just go home. Figure it out. Oh, Run. So funny. Pack up your bags. If you get caught, you know it's all good. Anyways, we were. This is a film podcast. Oh uh, yeah. You well, you need money to make film, whether it's That's crumpled true. up, it's rupees or whatnot. So. Yeah, do you guys and mind? you're making money off the film. You got a great distribution. Yeah, I saw it. I watched it on Vudu. I saw it's on Amazon and Google Play. So that's awesome. Yeah, it was. Gravitas is really good. Sorry, I'm like, I was gonna ask, like, like how did you guys go about kind of getting distribution? Because I saw, you know, I saw that you were saying like, oh, this was just like such a side project. This was like such a little, like a you know, a small kind of um thing that you guys did on the weekends like how how did how did it get from that to kind of where it is now which is like on everything this is a cool way to describe it I mean, first of all that's, that's awesome. super exciting when you say it like that Yo, um, <laughs> which is i guess the truth but it sounds very exciting um well arthur has a another film that he made um, called American Bistro, and he despises it. The stringent one that I was talking about uh, earlier. Yeah, awesome. yeah, so the one where, yeah, the stringent one. Um, and he sold back to Gravitas and Miria. That one took a lot of work. We went to the Amer- American film market, and we were kind of like knocking down every door to try to get it sold. And then eventually we sold it, and now now we know Gravitas and Miria. So it's really not that crazy of a story. Like, we just kind of knew them, and they were It's like, a little sure. crazy. How so? That email saying was a little dicey. Oh. I might as well. Sure, go for it. Why don't we give them the tricks while we can? Okay, so. If you sign up for certain things, like Cam, I'm only going to say it to you guys. I don't think I should spread this too widely. We can podcast. I know, I know, I know. But at least put the scoop in something, like give them exclusivity, you know? Okay, so if you go to AFM, which like isn't too much money, it's like, Honestly, that Marshall's bill would have paid for it. Actually, not even joking. So, okay, so you take your $100 bill, find a way to make that digital currency, put that on your debit card, 
get yourself a ticket to AFM, and then you get access to the, da- the database of everyone there, every buyer, every distributor. And they make it so that you can't like export an Excel list, and they make it so that you can't copy-paste. But if you just copy the, the emails down by hand, then you can start an email list, and then you can send out an email that says, it was so good meeting you. You've not met these people. But it was so good They're not going to remember. Here's the, the copy of the screener that you requested. And, wow. and then most people will just be like, I requested this. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and then they you are got- like, this isn't good for me. But my friend at Gravitas, this is good for him. And that is how you sell a movie. That's, wow. that's literally... Everyone's so busy over the weekend anyway. Like they're meeting so many people, so we're like, no one will notice if we just kind of slide in there. Although a few people do notice. Yeah. Like, I never met you. Why this? Um, but it's worth it. And then what did you? What did you say? Like when when you got those emails that were like, who are you? Like what did you say? What, what, like were you just like, uh, whoops? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It's like what I said. Like you know, what is it? We apologize later, but it's the second half of it. What, oh, is, oh, what is this thing I used to say? Um, don't ask for permission, ask for forgiveness. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. mm-hmm. you're not hurting anybody, you know? You're just, yeah, like, just a mild inconvenience. Exactly. That they had to read it. But that is a cool, mild, like, not mild inconvenience their way out of, like, a good life, you know, and out of their dreams. So, like, just mm-hmm. don't worry about being a little bit of an inconvenience to people. It's okay, <laughs> you know? Love that. I love yeah. that. I'm like, Amen. I like literally wrote that down because that's the scoop, <laughs> you guys. Like, the, <laughs> that's the scoop. Like, what's the scoop? That's, that's hustling scoop. at its finest. Yep. Thank you. Okay, I'm yeah. glad you gave the scoop then. I was a little worried, but then I hear the story. And I'm like, it really doesn't sound that bad. Like, it's not illegal or anything. I don't know why I was scared to be illegal, but. No, like, yeah. You have to pay money in order to do it. Yeah. Throw that one out there. You heard it here first. Trouble. So, baby, don't <laughs> I got in big trouble with the camera, but I already had a distributor. If I didn't have a distributor, then I wouldn't have gotten in big trouble. What was uh, the big trouble? I shouldn't have emailed 1,000 um, distributors when I have a sales agent. Oh, uh, say, for international sales. For international sales. Um, because uh. that's like, but then again, then I think they were kind of happy when I exported my email list and gave it to them. I think they were like, They're like you whoa, wait a minute. You took the time. You're you're. <laughs> you, you, have a, you have the mental illness that you, say, you took the time to copy down every email like by hand, like one thousand two hundred emails. But whatever, oh that's like God. two afternoons. If you're just like, if you're like, this is gonna suck, but it'll be over, and then like I get to eat chocolate later. Thank you, can you hey, man. While you're doing it, yeah, I did. I Why know. not? Yeah. yeah. Honestly, that's that's genius. Like I'm like I. I love the hustle. I love the innovation. Um, I also just love this idea. That's like such a, it, it, it kind of like bringing it back to clairvoyant in a way it does kind of like, it undercuts this whole machine that we're a part of, you know what I mean? Like, you know, how like we're in LA and we're trying to hustle and be filmmakers. And like, it's very interesting because, you know, finding those like ins, those little secret hidey holes, that's like, that's like such a good way to upset the rhythm of things. And I like that. I like that. I feel like half of the culture around like teaching people how to be like actors and be filmmakers is about 
taking risks anyway, but it's hard because you're learning about how other people took risks in the past, and it feels weird to try to copy what they did, but um, but if you can find a way to do it yourself, I mean, that's what life is, right? Why, why follow the structures when you can just do what you have to do, and, you know? And in the end, we found so far that all those people who, like, you're instructed to not bother are thrilled that you found a way up to, to meet them. And they're really rooting. Like, everybody that we met is rooting for us and kind of, like, helping us punch above our weight class. And they're not asking for anything in return. Like, they're, you know. Yeah, I had this idea that everyone, that, like, successful people wouldn't be nice. And I have no idea where I got that idea. I don't know if that's, like, an American idea. I don't know where that comes from, but I was just like really afraid of these people in the industry. I didn't think I was allowed to talk to people who were more successful than me. But it turns out they're just normal, nice people who are, you know, trying to help people out if they think they're talented. Like, it's just a functioning society. I don't know. Yeah. No, yeah. you're so right. And I, I actually do think, like, it's, I think it's like a kind of, like, I think it's kind of a way to keep people in their place. Like, to not have them ask any questions of people who are, who are successful or, or, you know, got to where they wanted to be to be like, no, you can't talk to them. They're too busy to talk to you. But someone said to me the other day, something that like, I want to incorporate more into my own life, which is like, if you ask people for basically anything, they are more likely to give it to you than to deny you. Like just asking people for whatever, like you whatever it is like they're actually more willing to be like yeah like whatever like go ahead um that's something that's very interesting to me too well bringing it around full circle just putting up the instagram thing look at you're you're that you're the example that person wow you know mm -hmm. no but for real like yeah. you are that person because we were we had, a, say we had a small debate you know where you know it was like is this too much to ask for is this a bad idea will everybody think that we're cringy for asking no everybody was pumped and they were cool about it and they and they didn't ask for nothing back and I'm just trying to find ways to give people stuff back because it was so nice of you to do this, to have us on the show. It was so nice of you to be on the show. Yeah, it's, absolutely. There you go. <laughs> it's been a blast. This See, is fun. Yeah, but this is a benefit for us. So, you know, I'm having a great time. <laughs> well, you're welcome back anytime. Yeah. We have a movie coming up. Yeah. Oh, you do? Well, tell us. We What's that? Wait, tell us about, Absolutely. Tell us about yeah, what's, what on is the, it? what's on the slate. Um, it's called Remy and Arletta, and it's about two girls who are best friends. I'm so terrible at pitching movies. I'm, like, I'm afraid to give spoilers for my own movie. I'm like, what is a log line versus what is what I should tell people? I don't know. I don't know. I'm so scared. I mean, really, it's, it's so they're best friends, and uh, they're... I don't want to give spoilers. Do you not want to give spoilers on, the, on that part of the story? Um, just do it very lightly. I don't think you've spoiled it yet because I'm on the IMDb page and it already starts out with two girls lean on their friendship. So <laughs> continue. So <laughs> you really say, wait, what did, what did you say on IMDb? Through troubling years. Yeah, yeah through, yeah. through they lean troubling on their teenage troubling. years. I don't want to get too much away. I'm fucking scared. All right, all right. It's the other aspect of it already a spoiler. Because it's kind of like, there's kind of like, okay, there, there's like a will they, there's a will they type thing. Trying to hide that, but it's pretty obvious. Well, no, actually, I think I, I like and your vibe. Trailer as well, but it's mm. kind of it's very subtle, like the more romantic parts that are very subtle. So I was trying not to spoil that, but um, 
but that that's what that one is yeah and one one is Exciting. like one has a very healthy thriving family and the other one is like an abusive mom and it's about them like maneuvering through their family lives and their friendships and their school life and everything so that one's coming up next we're editing it now we already i mean and you've already I, done a rough cut yeah i edited it a few months ago and we're done we're just kind of doing a second half so Wow, She's crazy. two movies in one year. Damn. Actually, it kind of was a reaction to Clairvoyant getting into absolutely no festivals whatsoever. I'm starting to think because festival programmers might have been personally offended or thought that it was really just a bad movie. Like, like just thought, no, what I mean is like they thought that it was just two dumb kids making a movie alone. Because like there's a lot of... For, with the camera work alone, like, I wanted to, like, show my awkward feet in, like, certain bits and, like, make it feel really weirdly uh, intimate and, like, have... There's a lot more camera shake in the first half than the second half, you know? And I wanted to, like, not lower expectations, but get you into that, this is a really... Get you into the world of, like, really, this is just these two people making it. And then later, I feel like the camera work, I doesn't... It's not about that anymore. But at the beginning, you know, and then when you look at the Vimeo analytics, you see a lot of festival programs turn it off when they Around see... the creek scene, which is why I also have a stigma against the creek scene. Yeah. Like, oh, no one likes that. That's where a lot of people would stop watching it. Um, so yeah, I got into no film festivals, and I was like, That's okay. crazy. We almost got into one, but I, I uh, can't put, can't talk too much about it. I know somebody, and I'm probably sure they didn't like a lot of aspects. Uh, I think they were probably personally mm. offended because... There's still that person. There's still that person, like to this day. Well, if you can't laugh at yourself, then why bother being in the film industry? Yeah, yeah. I also think too, like it is better to have a negative response than no response at all. Like, like bad criticism. I think personally, I am like, yeah, that's like that to me is more meaningful than someone being like, eh, it was fine. Because like, I don't want to. I don't want to make things that are fine. I want to like. I want people to dislike it or, or really like it. But I, I, you know, like middling, I don't want to be middling, you know? No. No, you're so right. Yeah. I, I entirely agree with you. Honestly, I, I'm more comfortable with the very, very negative responses. You're completely right. But then every once in a while I see a review that's just like, I didn't think it was that good. And I'm like, ow, (laughs) (laughs) it's the middling ones that hurt the most. Dude, oh god, grill into me next time. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, no, like when people type out PH, I'm just like, oh fuck. And oh man, uh, that's uh, the one that caught me the most was I thought it would be better. <laughs> oh jeez. Yeah, whereas like the one out of ten where it's like this is a dangerous portrayal of you know, like oh, <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, danger's my middle name, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Borderline psychotic. These people are serial killers in the spiritual world. Yeah, I'm fine with that. That's good. If I read that, I'd be like, all right, let's see what they have to say. <laughs> I'd watch it. Exactly. That's the thing, too. I feel like you could uh, help us get some sales, too. I'm like, some of these bad reviews are pretty interesting. <laughs> I mean, hey, I think the the room is the holy grail of uh of bad movies and bad publicity skyrocketing success so you guys know neil Bruce. i was gonna say no no well, yeah who is that he is also a king of bad movies he did the highly acclaimed movie fateful findings 
It's absolutely it's genius. Yeah. I, I personally, we both like it more than Much the more than the room. I mean, Neil Breen, maybe he's not the king. Maybe he's like the duke, but secretly the head of the, the secret society that actually pulls the strings in the kingdom. That's kind of his vibe. Like, Faithful Findings is fucking... I don't, don't want... It's awesome. I mean, it's fun. It's fun. If you like the room, you know. Because the room is very... Faithful Findings is the creek scenes of So Bad It's Good movies. The creek Amazing. Scene. Wow. I'll watch it. I literally <laughs> just wrote it down. I'm going to watch it. Like, yes. You know, like, it's, like, hard to watch. It's long. It's, it's plotting. Like, it's like, why, why does this feel so intimate? Dude, like, you, you, and, like, there's moments where you're like, can I make it through this? And then, like, you get this surge of energy where you're like, I understand. And then you go back to being like, what the fuck? I just like I kind of okay, I've I definitely have such- seen a movie like that before. I can't remember the name. It's not the same movie, but like recently watched a movie that was like that where I thought it was absolutely horrible, but I needed to watch it entirely because of what I was seeing. I also like I like as a filmmaker, I push back against the kind of like idea that something always needs to serve like serve explicitly plot and structure and character i'm like no take me on a weird tangent like take me on a little adventure because like i'm here to just meander in this world and like i don't always want to get from a to z in a straight line you know and like yeah i don't know so no that's kind of why i think a lot of people are fed up with marvel movies it's because it's just like the same structure and we've seen it just so many times and, and i love a good superhero movie like it can get me super pumped but at the same time like it's never going to surprise me ever so and the villain is always the same as the hero same powers i don't know why they haven't figured that out yet we don't need that wait what did almost you say? almost like every marvel movie the villain has the same powers as the hero Yep. Damn. If you uh, if you, if, 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 versus the guy. killer bee yeah. guy, there's Iron Man versus Iron Monger. Who else? Yep. Got? You're right. I mean, uh, Captain America versus Will Bucky before he that's right. when he's he was the bad. Same. They're the same. Um, what's his name? Uh, well, Doctor Strange. Everyone he's fighting is like trying to get the time stone. That yeah. Um, Killmonger and Black Panther. Um, WandaVision, the, the witch who was like the neighbor, same powers. The only different one was Loki because that was introducing the new overall villain for phase four. And I guess and, Thanos, cause no, Thanos was just everybody. Yeah. He's, he's yeah. He's every, all, all those stones were just everybody. So <laughs> yeah, it still no. applies. <laughs> no, I have to say, I, I like watching movies that come out like, before the book. Um, Save the Cat came out. Any movie, because like, I don't know, I guess it was like an unspoken rule to do all the Save the Cat stuff, but before Save the Cat comes out, say I'm right? Uh, what is that? Yeah. Oh. You go. I'm, I'm interested to hear yours. Um, Save the Cat is a book by this guy named Something Snyder, and um, it's basically the screenplay book that you have to read if you go through any screenplay class anywhere ever since like 1990 yeah like yeah like it it, and so it it tells you how to make a script like it really just breaks it down into like character plot a plot b plot where like rise and fall needs to be 
which is helpful, but also really hurtful because if you watch movies made before this dumb book came out, they're like much more interesting, much more spontaneous, much less interested in conventional kind of like structure plot ideas. Um, and what were you going to say? What you said. I was going to say what you said. Word for word. Uh, no, pretty much. Like, honestly, it's, it's, because if you watch any movies before that book came out, or before that book really hit its stride, which might even be 2005 or seven. Um, what are we realizing here? Oh no, no, God. no, because, like, save the save cat's fault, because, like, now, like, anybody can transfer out of accounting. Uh, like major and like become a screenwriter if they know enough people. Fuck, <laughs> I'm, like, oh, I'm gonna be on blast if I say this is hard. <laughs> but like, fucking like so many of these fucking scripts are just like they hit the save the cat beats, they have no nothing going on. And before uh, that point, it's like what you said, like suddenly the 80s is really great for this, the 90s is really great for this. Any movie prior to 2005, I think that's really like woke. I don't know why. Um, that's really where it gets it, where it gets adopted. You'll just suddenly you'll you'll there'll be joke characters, there'll be tangents where you go down somewhere where it's a philosophical exploration in like a triple A Hollywood film. Like for no reason at all, they're just taking big what we would call creative risks in, you know, I, I don't know. And even like what is acceptable as a film has changed, I feel like. Because like we watched Jerry Maguire in theaters, it was like the 20th anniversary or whatever, 25th anniversary. And um, Jerry Maguire is like a creative risk today. Honestly, I actually... I've never watched it. It's Um, so I've always wanted to, but I didn't realize that. I watched it over quarantine and I had never seen it before, but I was very familiar with it, obviously, because everyone always talks about it as like a good movie. And so I watched it and it was so confusing because I was like this was like the big box office hit this was the rom-com like hero like underdog moment of the year for whenever it came out and it made no sense like <laughs> like you know like it you're right like now like if you if if you if you presented that script to any of these big script competitions no go dude like two out of ten definitely on the blacklist like and is jerry Maguire a great movie no but (laughs) am i glad it's out there am i glad it's like being weird am i glad that it's like strange and stilted and um dramatic and melodrama like yeah i am you know and it's about so many things. It has so many concepts. Like, you can't have... You're telling me that Tom Cruise is in love with her, but he's not really in love with her, but he is in love. Like, what the fuck are we doing here? Like, any any, any AT&T executive reading this Warner Bros. script would be like, what the fuck are you doing with this? Like, why are you... Get this out of here. AT&T well, produce movies now? And, yeah. like, oh. my big hold up too is it's not just like executives either it's people who like just the the kind of gatekeepers of script reading which are like reviewers like people who read scripts and give them a numerical value like you know the those people are largely responding to this save the cat kind of prototype because they know that that's what makes a good movie right but like I don't know. We could we could have a whole other podcast about we could it. Have a whole other podcast. 
Labyrinth, right? I, I just <laughs> want to say, like, Labyrinth is another good example where, like, Hollywood used to make ethereal plots. I love Where they that. didn't need to exactly make sense on paper, but they did give you a lot. And you left and you were like, how was the movie? And you're like, it was good. What happened in it? And you describe what happened, but you can't really, like, you watch Labyrinth, you're not like, this is the story of a girl growing up and learning about her, like, femininity and going through puberty and, like, becoming a whole person. But also, there's the most horrific imagery ever. And, like, like you know, like, it's, it's a fucking fever dream movie. But it completely, so, like, a teenage girl in China can watch Labyrinth and be like, I completely understood what happened. But it's absolutely dense. It's fucking impossible to understand. Like, you know, Honestly, but in terms of those readers that we're talking about, they would just be like, what is this? What is this trash that you've put on my desk? Like, right. sorry, I'm done. I'm done. It's just, it's crazy that no one, like a lot of people now, they want to basically stick to the script for lack of a better term, um, rather than like expand and just go off the rails. Like I love movies that go off the rails, like a classic, Jackie Chan movie, Rumble in the Bronx. Weirdest action movie I've ever fucking seen in my life, but I loved it. He gets chased by like a giant hovercraft at one point. The handicapped kid on the ground somehow throws him a heavy wrench, like to beat up a guy. Like so many different points in this movie. I'm sitting there like, how did this get made? But like, I love the fact it got made. It's just an incredible experience. I also just found out that this Blake Snyder guy who wrote this book, his only credits on IMDb. He wrote, Stop or My Mom Will Shoot, the horrible Sylvester Stallone movie. He wrote that? And, yeah. And he wrote Blank Check, the Disney Channel movie. It is two of his three writing credits. How did, how did this guy set the tone for screenwriting? <laughs> also, I just want to say, like, y'all at home should have seen Arthur and Michaela's faces when Brian said Blank Check. <laughs> And the Sylvester Stallone movie. Like, mouths on the floor. <laughs> it was so funny. The, this guy... This guy single-handedly fucked up Hollywood's perception of screenwriting? What the hell? <laughs> he's dead now, so I can say this about him. Oh, he's dead now? Okay, he got yeah. what was coming. <laughs> Someone didn't save the cat. Oh... Dude, that was like a prank movie. That was like, yeah. was like do, do you know the, the story behind Stop Your Mom Will Shoot? Yeah. yeah. So you, yeah. Do. So Arnold Schwarzenegger pretended that he wanted the film really badly. And they said they basically like let everybody know. Like they basically all went to the same coffee shop as Sylvester Stallone's agents and talked really loudly about how much they wanted it. And so Sylvester Stallone's agents heard this, came to him, and he was like, Well, I want it. And he was like, I'll do it for any price. I don't care. And just, Wait, no, just, the other guy. Who was the other guy who was competing against him? Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, like, they... So, Arnold Schwarzenegger was just able to drive his price down on this film and get him locked into it. While Arnold Schwarzenegger went off to make, like, fucking Total Recall or something fucking awesome. You know? Like, and it's just... I think uh, Terminator 2, actually, oh, okay. Terminator was Terminator. right around the same time. Like, you know... Well, Sylvester wouldn't have been able to... Who knows? But no, there was. He did something else too. Uh, it was there was like a good chunk of movies like the same that same stretch of time that were all like insanely successful. While Stallone was sh staying, stop or my mom will shoot. 
poster for that movie too. Like, <laughs> oh, it's, it's so bad. Uh, so so, so good. So yeah, that guy's uh that guy's no good. Robert McKee did story that was good, but it's a bigger book. It's harder to understand. So you know, you've done a lot of this stuff. I see, Emily. Um. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. I uh, to be honest with you, I haven't read story, which is on my list. But like, yeah. I. I don't know. I'm I'm hopeful in in regards to this whole like conversation. I am very hopeful. Like something that you can see about the idea of structure and plot versus like mood vibe is, you know, capturing a mood and a vibe is that labyrinth-esque quality that like this is a trash fire that speaks to something very specific that is actually a feeling that we're all feeling but we couldn't um, say really. And like uncovering that, I think that that, I hope anyway, that in cinema, like that comes back because I miss it. And and that's like, you know, I, I want people to touch into that. I want people to to speak to like just the the feelings of things rather than the thing itself, you know? I think it's really crazy that with streaming and everything blowing up in the way it has, we haven't gone back into that sort of style again. I'm really surprised. Like, you would think that everyone has more freedom and this would be a golden age for trying, like, crazy things. And I'm hoping that that's around the corner because, like, there's so much content out there. Like, y'all y'all can do what you want. Like, people can make their own movies, too. So I think it's right around the corner because it just doesn't make sense for everything to still be so by the book. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. I think right now it's kind of a money kind of top-down issue. Because, you know, before, like, yes, we have we have such a proliferation, sorry, of content. But at the same time, like, the content already has to be made. And I know that you guys probably experience this, too, as, like, indie filmmakers. Like, you, you don't get paid until after you have already made your content. But the making of the content requires capital. So, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's kind of... I, I hope that... I hope that pockets are being loosened, hopefully, with time, but we'll see. I used to see it a little bit like what you're saying. It was a top-down issue. Um, and maybe it is, and I don't understand it. But I have to say, I have seen some decisions. I have seen some artistic flourishes being done on streaming that are so incredibly ill-advised, <laughs> so incredibly stupid, <laughs> and poorly made, and like, you just Ooh, I, won't, I won't name nothing, but Ooh. my God. And so I'm like, no way. It can't be, it can't be that accountant that I mentioned. It can't be the AT&T guy. You know, he probably, he like, he probably likes movies. He probably, Field of Dreams is probably his favorite movie, most likely, or, or Stand By Me. I already know who this AT&T guy is. Guarantee <laughs> your ass. Those are his two favorite films. And like. Very, very safe so, movies. Yeah, very, well, very safe, but then also. I have to say, very slice of lifey, very weird in a lot of ways. Wouldn't be made today. Like they're the kinds of things where they feel foundational, so we take them for granted. But like, you know, at the same time, they're very safe for our guy, who I assume actually might be from somewhere where you are, Brian. Now he's over here in L.A. You know, holding uh, actually. Pockets. Yep. Yeah, he's my next door neighbor. Yeah, actually, there he is. I knew it. <laughs> There's no way that that guy is doing this stuff. There's no way that that guy, because like, there's too much intentionality. There's too much like people 
there's a subvert. Uh, I don't like using the term subversion of expectation because that I feel like has been bastardized by people who want to criticize people who I'm not trying to criticize right now. Like, it's completely different. But like, God damn. It's, Sorry, my dad is my dad is outside. He's looking through strange. the window, trying to see what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> we, we asked for some privacy. <laughs> I want to show you. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. It's really, really distracting me. Well, um, I was saying, um, no, there's like a lot of um, of uh, bad vibe, sort of like like bad actor kind of subversion that a lot of people are doing on streaming. Netflix has a lot of it, um, you know, like to stuff where like they need to know cinema, but they need to know cinema in the way that like that person who you think you're going to be friends with in your college class knows it, but then you guys don't end up being friends. That person is the one making Netflix movies now. Like, I don't know how else this Or like what's frustrating to me is this whole idea of making something intentionally poorly like you know the the um the whole idea of these like christmas movies now or like the um the kfc movie the kfc themed film um like to me like i'm like just make something bad just give someone who's like wild in like the opportunity to be insane on camera like give someone like you know what i mean like just don't just don't just kind of automate poor filmmaking give yeah. someone the opportunity to make a bad film like let that be the vision you know i don't know either way you're going to do something bad intentionally you're so right why not just make that a space for someone to come in and actually do something unique yeah i, I think the mainstreamization whatever of camp is or the misattribution of camp the misuse of it is the word like the second that these, you know, safe people found out about camp. They were like, I can make it trash and selfish. And like, and that's not what camp was, but now it is. But I thought that like, I thought that clairvoyant was camp. You know what I mean? Yeah, I did. I guess so. I did because I was like, oh, like, like this is a very sincere, like this is like, you know, even talking to you guys today, like, this is such a sincere project for you and something that you care, care so much about. But at the same time, it's a mockumentary. It's like joyous. It's There's something very naturalistic about it with the whole idea about like spirituality and oneness and, and you know, connectivity. And t- to me, that's, I, that's, that's the secret slice of life. That's like what camp actually is. Not like trying to like, To me, to me, camp means something that is a little hidden. It's like a little, it's kind of like a, t- a small secret. And like trying to make it open, trying to make it kind of um, commercialized is the antithesis of what it actually is. You know? You, well, you, you use a really great word that I always find, I use the opposite of that word, like two steps behind whenever I'm complaining about camp. You said sincere. And I think cynical camp is what I don't like. And I think there's a lot mm. of cynical camp now, you know? And like, sure. I don't know, maybe American Horror Stories, maybe one of those. I don't know, though. I haven't watched enough of it to say. But, like, there is a lot of cynical camp now. And that's not the point of camp. Like you said, it's a little, it's like something, 
nice and bright and kept safe and like you know because like John Waters like that's not the camp I'm talking about right right that's some cool stuff you know like Crybaby's Crybaby is the is the studios doing exactly what you said letting somebody wild make a film right yeah 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 my brain's been broken since Emily mentioned that there's a KFC movie so (laughs) you didn't know I did not know. Wait, it's I just starring, saw that um, Mario Lopez is Colonel Sanders. Like, what the hell? Yeah, they teamed up with uh, Lifetime, right? Or, yeah, yep. to promote KFC, which honestly, at least you guys are being honest about it because movies are just, you know, sometimes there's just a ton of advertisements in there anyway. So now we know. <laughs> oh, like Space Jam 2 is just a Warner Bros. ad. Ugh. I didn't watch it either, but I was reading reviews and I watched the, uh, I don't know if you ever watched Screen Rant's pitch meeting videos. Uh, I watched that one and it just like, it's like, yeah, so we're going to make a Warner Bros. Uh, commercial. I'm like, oh, great. Wait, which movie? Space Jam. Sp- oh. Yeah, apparently they just, they found a way to just showcase all the different things that like Warner Bros. owns, like The Matrix, Harry Potter, and other things um yeah it's just a big ad big ad granted i will say in their defense the first space jam idea came from a jordan commercial so it's not really that far off to be making a, another ad in a way i mean yes and this is am i gonna get a video about space jam <laughs> or should we talk about something else yeah <laughs> you have it in you i got it y'all, y'all <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll just look. Space Jam just had camp. It had the real camp. That's it. It did. That's it. Okay. Jordan couldn't act, but it was fun. There was something about it. Right. That's it. Bill, Bill Murray, Murray was great. Yeah. Yeah, dude. They had Bill Murray. You know, it's different. It's different. I mean, I don't know. It's still a bad movie. Probably. I haven't seen it since I was a kid. But I just remember, like, you know, Space Jam ended with I Believe I Can Fly on the UFO. Like, I would never forget that scene being like, man, this is really yep. sincere. For some reason, like, <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like honestly, I'm I'm so glad we had this opportunity to chat, and I feel like we've just gone into so many things. Um, is there, yeah, is there, what what are what are your closers? Give me your conclusion, concluding statement. Oh my god, I don't I don't have one. I don't know. I don't know. Like, follow me on Instagram. Like, I literally don't know. <laughs> Um, I want to give you two closers so that I talk too much. Okay, good. You do one for me. No, no. I want you to do two. No, yeah. Oh, wait. Before before we do that, I did have one final question. Um, The house that Claire lived in, was that your house or whose house was that? This is it. That's it. That's a beautiful house. This is Arthur's house with his parents. Yeah, we all live here. It's just an apartment. Yeah, it's here. And, uh, but that's a nice compliment. It's nice. nice yeah, compliment. I'll take it. Yeah. It's a bit yeah. much no. for one girl all on her own. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was it was good. It just felt like weirdly too big. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because her parents live in the same town. You know? Yeah, she just drove right over. Yeah. They have a different house. <laughs> well, that was all I wanted to say. Let let the world know how they can find Clairvoyant and how they can find you guys. Take it away. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> Why is this the most nerve-wracking part? Clairvoyant. All right. So we've got an Instagram called Clairvoyant Movie. 
Clairvoyant is available on Amazon, Tubi, Voodoo, a bunch of. I mean, if I made up, if I, there's a bunch. Wait, don't don't tell them that. YouTube movies, PlayStation, Xbox. Uh, it's like uh, just Google it. It's on just Amazon. Google it. It's on Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it's free on Tubi. If y'all want to watch it for free, watch it for free on Tubi because then we get ads. And sorry mm-hmm. if you have to watch ads, but I don't know. Better for us. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <right? laughs> Um, uh, that's, yeah. And I guess look out for our next movie, Romeo and Arletta. So uh, we're gonna submit that to festivals in the next coming months, and hopefully it'll be out like within a year. Let's I don't know. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah thank oh, you. Yeah, guys and we'll have so you much. back. Yeah. Thank you for coming on, and we hope we get to have you back for your next film. That would be so fun. Oh, definitely. Uh, you guys have been so fun. This is so. This was so easy. So thank you for making it easy and having a lot to say and for. Um, taking from the film what you did. I mean, we appreciate that so much that you actually, like, as we were picked up on some of the stuff that we were trying to put into it, so I really need to go on. Yeah, that was awesome. You guys were awesome. Thank you. Hey, thank you.